Hi folks, and we're live with this uh, special edition of From the Dark. My name is Daryl O'Connor and I'm joined on the line by a very special guest, uh, Messianic Jewish uh, Argentinian-American independent researcher, lecturer, uh, an author who deals with all sorts of worldwide issues ranging from theology, transhumanism, social and cultural commentary, movie reviews and so much more, um, of truefreethinker.com, Ken Amihi. How are things, sir? Most excellent. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Oh, no, the honor is online, and, sir. Incidentally, just for you and your audience, I wore my Property of Giant Killer Team t-shirt. I love it. So appropriate. So appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we did a show a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, almost a couple of months ago now, on um, the Nephilim and the Giants and all that kind of good stuff. So you reached out to the show directly about your new book and I haven't had a chance to read all of it. I will be honest, but I had a chance to read through uh, some of it and it's, it, I didn't really, I was, I'm not shocked that you kind of took aim at, um, at, at the big names in it, but what kind of prompted the, the book and of, of itself and what's your background coming towards it? Well, the and I'm glad that you stated it as the Nephilim and the Giants because that that distinction will become important as we discuss it. That's mm. been a fascinating issue for me for years now, and see, I wrote a book titled um, "What Does the Bible Say About Giants and Nephilim?" A right. giant, um, styled giantology, and I thought, well, I'm sure that's the only book I'll ever write about this issue, so. I thought I was pretty much done. So I thought that would be the only one. I don't only focus on the Bible, but I also talked about certain issues that are attached to these, which is the whole Smithsonian claim, the uh, accounts in old newspapers, the, the famous chart of giant skeletons you see all over the internet, and certain things like that. Well, but then after that book, uh, I thought to myself, well, maybe I should, since that was Bible-based, maybe I should write another one on extra-biblical texts. So I wrote another one just on that, called The Apocryphal Nephilim and Giants. And then I thought, well, you know, <laughs> this is how, you know, I have to go down the rabbit hole and all the rabbit holes. So then I thought, well, I wonder if uh, maybe I should write one about what the, what the scholars and academics say about these issues. So then I wrote a book about that. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe I'll write one about what more the common people think about these things. So I call them the pop researchers. Being, um, they're not necessarily credentials, uh, credentialed in terms of scholarship or academics in this area, but they're extremely popular. So what are they saying about these issues? And so basically, I'm trying to get a as good or well-rounded view on these issues as I can. Mm. And by the way, that, in, that includes, um, I always try to explain, I'm not just an armchair researcher, but I discuss these issues and I've been discussing them with people all over the internet for years, um, yeah. hundreds of people. So I like to kind of get on the ground and just have um, challenge views, have my views challenge, see what we can um, come up with in terms of what is the actual case? What is the issue behind this whole thing? So anyhow, that's kind of how I came to it, is researching it from various vantage points. 
And this book in particular is it's subtitled, okay, so it's Nephilim and Giants as per pop research, the comprehensive consideration of the claims of I.D.E. Thomas, Chuck Missler, Dante Fortin, Derek Gilbert, Brian Gadawa, Patrick Heron, Thomas Horn, Ken Johnson, L.A. Marzulli, Josh Peck, A.C. Quarter, um, sorry, C.K. Quarterman, Steve Quayle, Rob Skiba, Gary uh, Wayne, Jim Wilhelm Selm, at Al, because there's actually many more. Those are just the, the more well-known people. Yeah. Okay. And based on their premise, okay, their premise being they want to start with the Bible hmm. and then pull into it anything else that might be relevant, such as apocryphal text, cryptographical text, folklore, legends, anything else. I thought, well, let me look at it from that perspective, which would be my own as well, incidentally. And okay. I ended up finding that, um, uh, well, the majority of what is simply factually inaccurate. And so that's kind of why I feel I need to give this long-winded introduction. So I'm not just some schlep showing up and saying, hey, these guys are wrong. Right. But uh, just so it's known that um, just like people tell me all the time, they've done a lot of research in this area. Well, OK, so have I. Mm. And, and that's the issue is that there's there's certain fundamental level issues that if you get those wrong, you will tend to get the rest wrong. So if you see it as a group of dots and the way that we connect those dots, right, mm. a lot of the times dots might be accurate, but the connections aren't, or the dots themselves are inaccurate, so the connections can't help but be inaccurate. Right. Um, just for the, our audience, um, the chat is open, so if anyone wants to add anything or ask any questions to Ken, please feel free to do so. Um, going kind of into it in a bit more in depth, like obviously when you start researching, like our, our show was an introduction to it. And as someone who's, you know, listened to coast to coast, yeah, most of their life, um, the names that you pick up would be the guys who you're, you're talking, right. talking about. Right. And I think it's, it's kind of a very interesting uh, who you go for. Um, LA Missouri, I wasn't expecting to see there, even though they're one of the big names. Steve Quayle is like the name in it in this. So let's yeah. start there. Um, because he's like the main guy who who you would you would read to. His his book, Genesis 6, is like the starting point for most people to dig into this. What specifically um attracted you to kind of go there and what where what points does he kind of get wrong on the connections from the dots, shall we say? Well, when we're dealing with Steve Quayle and particularly that book, uh, we need to draw quite a distinction. Uh, one is you refer to it as his book, mm. but it just so happens that through the course of the search, now this is after years of listening to these guys, reading their articles, you know, yeah. I mean, very well exposed to them. Just for this book alone, I plowed through about 80 books. Wow. And what I ended up reading is that, uh, as I actually posted with evidence on my website, uh, that book contains plagiarized material. 
Wow. Okay, that's just okay. a fact. So now there, there are, okay, let me put it this way. Uh, if, if you try to shop for that book, you'll write, you'll see it sells for of dollars, literally hundreds. Okay, mm. uh, the first edition. Now I was able to buy the second edition, it's more reasonably priced, maybe forty-five dollars. Mm. That book contains six chapters that he just copied and pasted, which is okay because in this case it was from a book that's uh, in the public domain. Okay, yeah, that's perfectly uh, acceptable. Yeah, there are quite a few chapters in it that he plagiarized from Charles Deloach. Charles right. Deloach. And so so that's that's two issues is well one issue is whether he plagiarized or not. I can definitely prove he did. The other is well does that mean the information is false, right? So that's that was a my totally next question. Different issue, that was right? my next question. So yeah. Charles, De, Charles Deloach book called Giants, a reference guide from history, the Bible, and recorded legend. And that was published in 1995. Steve's first edition was 2005. Right. So the Deloach is the one that wrote the sections where he goes country by country by country by country, region by region, and gives you some of the taste of their legend about giants, right? Yeah. That, that's all Deloach. Oh, okay. And, yeah. Wow. What what Quayle actually wrote, as far as I can tell, for himself is actually even worse, um, <laughs> uh, factually. Right. And so, if I may um, pick on on the show that you made, uh, that you put out, uh, that you referenced when we began. Absolutely. That show Absolutely. Contain- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So like, as, as I said, that's, that, this is the whole point. It's the whole point of, right. of ours is to, to present the information and get people talking. The more people talking, the better. Right. And you know, and it's you not... mentioned that even during the show. So I thought yeah. that was great. Yeah. So um, I would say uh, as with, look, as with Quail, as with me, I'm sure, as with you, as with anybody, we get some things that um, are demonstrably accurate and some points where we go off the rail i mean that mm. that seems to just be standard because none of us are infallible or omniscient, no, right definitely not not one right so one of the main issues for me is how could we jump into a discussion about giants without even bothering to define the term right, right? because it's, it's it's vague it's generic it's subjective mm. and it's undefined so yeah you might, I might have something else in mind. So I can think of maybe six different definitions for that word. Three would be biblical. One would be metaphorical. Maybe three others would be uh, just subjective. So that would be step one. Let's make sure that we're defining our terms so we all understand what we're talking about. Then we get into the discussion, right? Right. And so if we, there's giant legends from all over the world, well, what does that mean? Mm. What does that mean? Right, because for instance, uh, within the context of the Bible, if you're discussing unusual height, which incidentally biblical is essentially a non-issue, but we can probably get to that, uh, then it's unusual height subjectively compared to the Hebrews, uh, males of whom average five five or five three, right. whereas 
if you're talking to pygmies, African pygmies about unusual height, well, their males average 4'11". Or if you go to Norwegian countries, other European countries, you know, there's quite a few people walking around there who are seven feet. I mean, so what are we talking about? And are we talking about a few inches other than the subjective average or a few feet mm. or a few entire body lengths, right? Are we talking about building size giants? What are we talking about? See, this is one of the fundamental issues. The second of which is linguistic. The English term giant implies nothing about height in its um, G. Now, it, mi it might have come to mean something about unusual height in its later usage, but the fact is it derived from the Greek gigantes or gigas, and that literally means earth-born. It, right. it implies nothing about height, usual or unusual. So you, you think... So in that sense... So you think the, the terms, for one reason or another, have kind of been melded together where people assume that giants are the same thing across all way, and that's one of the biggest kind of misconceptions that people have? Again, yes. Uh, and just based on the fact that we would first need to discuss what does any given people group mean by that? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. So, Absolutely. So for so for instance, um, when you're reading, I know that you guys discussed Genesis 6-4 specifically. And when you're reading an English version that is rendering, I can't even say translating, is rendering Nephilim as giants, hmm. you need to hit the brakes instantly and, and wonder why that's being done. Right. The reason it's being done is because the translators of the Septuagint, a Greek version of the Old Testament from the 300 roughly BC, rendered Nephilim as gigantes. Yeah. So English, some English version just followed along and they just wrote giants, giants. instead of gigantes. Right. Now, one of the problems is the Septuagint renderers also rendered Giborim as gigantes and also rendered Raphaim as gigantes. Right. And it's generally just a, a terrible idea to mm. render more than one word with just one word because it, it causes confusion. Because mm. now you have three different terms that refer to three completely different things. And then it's followed up by, well, look, giants, giants, giants. It's all giants. There you go. It's right. all, and then you can mash it all together, right? You can just connect all these dots because you're looking at the word gigantes or giants. And well, those dots are not meant to be connected because yeah. you're not looking at your, the original language and in particular the original meaning behind it. Yeah. And, and do you think basically uh, with the whole fallen angels thing, do you think that's, um, that's colored people's perception of it where they assume that these things all have a unified look or that you could even kill uh, them basically and they're the things that we we talk, think of as giants now or you know anything like that you, as mean, I've, you mean demons yes angels and demons fallen angels are demons yeah like do you think that like 
that's why people perceive them to be really tall or whatever is there a unified thing that we're missing out on by simple buying boiling it down like that uh, so this gets back to the issue of pre-flood quote-unquote giants and post-flood quote-unquote giant right that's right i know you touched upon that lightly and so this is part of the problem is if you're chasing an english word around the hebrew bible you're going to have that kind of problem because you're going mm-hmm. to say well giants 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 we already talked about that right mm-hmm. so the fact is the term nephilim appears um in two verses whole by the two yeah period and so well but what about all the other references to giants well those are rephaim and they have absolutely no relationship to Nephilim. Uh, and, and, lo- and linguistically, for our listeners, what is the difference? It's not just linguistic. It's, um, okay, so linguistically, there is no connection. It, it just okay. goes back to what the Septuagint translator did. And we don't know why they did it, mm. but they rendered both as gigantes. We don't know why. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, it makes even less sense that they also rendered Giborim as gigantes because Giborim, um, so if you notice, Nephil, Giborim, Rephaim, uh, M is mm. just a plural male ending for Hebrew words. Yeah. Right? So singular would be Nephil, Gibor, and Repha. Now, Gibor merely means might, as in to be at all, just a description. So in the Bible, it's used of human beings. It's used of angels. It's God. You might be aware one of the names of God is El Gibor, right? Yeah. That's God is mighty. Yeah. Mm. So it, that's how little sense it is in Genesis 6, 4 in the Greek. It's telling you that the gigantes became gigantes. Well, logically, you become something you already are. Yeah, it doesn't but make we any know sense. Hebrew and the English. Yeah, it's telling you the Nephilim became mighty. Sure. Mm. Yeah, it became mighty. And then the Gibori, uh, Raphael, it's just um, a name of a people. That's all it is. It's a main category under which there are subcategories such as Anakim, right? Like you might say, uh, we have a nation and then we have states and cities and neighborhoods and houses and families or clans and tribes, right? That's, mm. that's all it is. So Raphael is just a main reference to a people group. However, right. Um, the root word, the etymology of Raphaim is Rafa, and that is also a, a very, very complicated meaning of which ranges all the way from healing to death. It has quite a wide range of meaning, so you do see sometimes Rafa um, in reference to the dead, like you might read of the, the Raphaim Gibberim, right, the ma- right. mighty dead one. Right. So people think, well, but so they're the spirits of the dead or whatever. No, no, it's just that that same word is used for a people group and it's also used for the dead. And how do you know the difference? Well, context, that, that's what it tells me. Right. And, and who, in your opinion, in your research, rather, in your formed opinion, who were the giants and who were the Nephilim? Okay, see this is part of the issue right when you when you ask me who are the giants i don't know what you mean and then if you say who are the nephilim well okay now are we bifurcating the the giant and the nephilim because remember when we use the word giants we might mean nephilim by it 
We might not. Okay. Well, let me you see let, what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tricky <laughs> little game that they have. Right, so let, let, <laughs> let, me, let me refine a bit, right? So for, to, a, to a person who never explored this before, I'm trying to move away from it, right? Who are the Nephilim? Oh, they wouldn't just be giants. So who actually were they? And what, what in your research, like what can we validate that hasn't been said by these other authors? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I would consider that a false premise if, if you don't mind me saying so. Oh, I don't no, necessarily no. have to no. don't necessarily have to say something they haven't said, but I wrote a whole book just on the question of their parentage because obviously if we know who their parents are, we get an idea of who they were, right? So hmm. on the book on the Genesis 6 affairs, Sons of God, angels or not, um, I went through almost a millennia texts um, of Jews and Christians from BC time till just past 500 AD hmm. showing you who thought of what as far as who are the sons of God in Genesis 6 and the simple verifiable fact is the original the majority and the traditional view amongst both Jews and Christians in the earliest centuries is that they were angels Right. Now, someone might say, well, I, I disagree with them. Well, that's a separate issue, though. It's just that's a verifiable fact. That is the majority view among the earliest commentators on this on this kind of stuff. So let's just, okay, we're going to assume that because we have very limited time. Okay. So yeah. then that would mean that the, that the Nephilim are uh, half angel and half human. Right. Okay, so then what are we what do we know about them? Well, we're told that they became mighty and, mm. and they were men of renown. They were well known for whatever reason. We're not even told why. We're just told they became well known and mighty. Okay. Then what else do we know about them? As <laughs> they um, lived pre-flood, only six people and some animals survived the flood. Therefore, mm. the last of them would have drowned in the flood and the story. Right. That's it. Now, the issue becomes that, remember I said that Nephilim are referred to in two verses. Yes. One of those is post-flood. That's so what I was, question becomes, well, that's where I was right. going to go. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm going to give you a... Uh, um, a speedy course on the problem with the second reference, okay? And yep. I'm just gonna try to jam pack this. So the second reference is recording the claims that were made by 10 of the 12 spies that were sent into the land of Canaan to search it out, okay? Okay. All of the 12 returned to the camp and they're saying, hey, this is what we saw, okay? They say the land is good, here's some of this fruit. These are the people that we saw in the land, uh, well-fortified cities, and the people are strong, which was intimidating to them because they're a bunch of itinerant uh, desert dwellers, right? Mm. All of a sudden, they're being asked to conquer these big cities with big walls and strong people who are protecting them. So 10 of them are intimidated and Caleb, uh, one of the faithful ones, says, it's a non-issue. Let's go. We can conquer them. Let's get it done. But the 10 of them, say it, uh, they say, no, we can't do this, right? So right there, 
they're being unfaithful, they're being disloyal. Hmm. And then the narration tells us that then they presented an evil report. Right. So the first report they present was accepted as is. Now they're going to present something different. Now within that report, first they contradict themselves because they speak ill of the land. Right. Then they embellish their original report because originally reported twice that all the people in the land are strong. Well, guess what? All of a sudden they claim, oh, all the people in the land are of great stature. So that's an embellishment right there. Right. And then they go on to make three claims about which the whole entire rest of the Bible knows nothing. They claim that there's post-flood Nephilim. They claim that Nephilim are related to Anakim. And they claim that Nephilim are very, very, very tall. Wow. Now, they were rebuked. They were rebuked having said those things. Right. And they, contra- they also contradict predict Caleb, Joshua, God, and the rest of the Bible, because all of them affirmed there were Anakim in the land, but they say nothing about Nephilim, not a single word, not once, not ever. So the best course of action is to recognize through the narrative, through the context, that they were just presenting a don't go in the woods type of fear-mongering scare tactic tall tale. The, The Israelites as a nation didn't see any of that. They were told this by 10 people, and it's in the worst possible circumstances where they're contradicting each other uh, themselves and contradicting authorities. They're embellishing. Obviously, they're, they made it up. So that gets us back to that's it. After the flood, there's no more Nephilim, period. So my question on that, I guess, from a, a someone who's from Ireland and has these great, I don't know how familiar you are with Irish mythology, but we have the people of the Shi. We have the Tua Tadanan and, you know, they are in many cases giants or would be similar to what we know as the Nephilim, son and daughters of gods or gods themselves. Where do you, th- and a lot of that would be post flood, even in Roman mythology and Greek mythology, where the gods would exist after their flood story. Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think those traditions? which are very similar and what kind of line up to men of renown. Like where does that come from? Is that a a storytelling device or is there more to it? It's incredibly difficult to answer that because it's so incredibly complex because then you would have to, you would have to be able to explain all myth and legend and all history. Right. But I'll just Mm. give you some basics. So for one, let's just, finish up on the context of the bible itself right since since the second reference to nephilim is unreliable we only have the first one to go by and the first one does not provide us a physical description of them so we have no reliable biblical biblical data as to what they look like so we cannot say that they were unusually tall that's for one right can't be done okay now it seems to me what happened is after the Tower of Babel event, okay, I, I shouldn't start there in case some of your audience may wonder. Okay, the biblical concept is that all humanity lived in a region that was common to everybody, relatively yeah. close to each other. Uh, so at the Tower of Babel, they are dispersed and they separate throughout the world, right? So then what was then commonly known and commonly shared history would eventually 
come to be called myth and legend as it, as it spread the world and as people embellish with time, right? Mm. Then those would become, uh, and this is why I believe it was you who specifically mentioned that there are certain things every ancient culture has in common, a story yep. of a flood, a story of interaction with gods or aliens or angels who came to earth. Yeah. Um, it's a certain basic concept like that. And it seems to me that's why, because this was one's common known, common history. Yes. And that was taken all over the world. And that's how you end up with all these stories. Now, let me just let me be clear on one point. What if there actually were extremely tall, and tall is another subjective term. Okay, whatever. Extremely tall beings or people who actually did roam the earth. What do I care? <laughs> that's that's a non-issue to me. I'm that's not fair. denying it. That's fair. I'm just saying let's let's set the groundwork and yeah. let's make sure that we're not um, building well, tall tales off of the word giant, for instance. Um, mm. So I don't want to misunderstood. Uh, I'm not denying um, much of anything in terms of the legend and folklore and myth that might have some truth. I'm just saying, let's let's be methodical. Let's be extremely right. careful that we're not just plowing on because stuff sounds good and it's exciting. I mean, um, for instance, if you were funded by a sovereign to travel to a strange and foreign land and you come back from your expedition, what are you going to tell the king? Uh, gosh, I don't know. I guess we saw a new kind of platypus or we saw a chinchilla that's obino. I mean, that's not exciting. You want to yeah. claim, you know, and, and if you get beaten in a battle, you, you might as well claim you got beaten by giants. If you were victorious, you might as well claim you were victorious against giants. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, the, it, it's the whole, it's mundane stuff as well. It's the whole Herodotus history kind of thing, right? Where it's like, I saw flying snakes. No, you didn't. It's like, <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, yeah, and that, that's a very good point. You know, I, I, I guess it's in this field, it's incredibly common to kind of come across those themes. And I would recommend everyone go over and check out your website, uh, truefreethinker.com. Your book is on Amazon, if anyone wants to get it there. But if anyone oh, wants yes. to get it, if, yeah, if anyone wants to get it directly from you, though, is that possible? Can That's always it? better, yes. I, yeah. I always recommend that. Buy from the author, because, you know, Amazon's good Absolutely. for marketing, but not very good uh, for the bottom line. That's for sure. That's for sure. So, like, you're doing physical copies as well. How does that work if people yes. want to get in touch with you? That's it. They just have to get in touch with me, and I can have it, no problem. Awesome. Well, I, I'll leave links up to everything on the description below. Um, Ken, this much. has been fascinating, man. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you on again for a bit more. Uh, yeah, when I mean, a bit we more just informed. scratched the surface, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, when a bit more formed, I'll read your book and then we'll, we'll pick this up. I oh, appreciate it. Oh, no, absolutely, man. This has been fantastic. Um, again, if people want to find you, go over to uh, truefreethinker.com and your YouTube channel. I'll have a link to it, but we'll definitely have you back yeah. on, man. Yeah, I don't really do anything much in YouTube anymore, but uh, they can just go to the website and I have everything user-friendly over there. Awesome. Uh, well, we'll leave a link below for everyone there, but thank you so much for your time, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Bye, guys. Talk to you soon.